What's up, world? Welcome to the Dig on Doug podcast. I'm your host, Doug, and I'm going to be bringing you episodes all about having fun, real, and deep conversations. So I hope you enjoy, and let's get digging. Well, what's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of the Dig on Doug podcast. Diggers, thank you for listening to the podcast. Always enjoy your feedback and hearing what you're talking about and uh, spreading these um, episodes out to everybody. Um, it's, it's really been a beautiful thing. Um, got a new episode here for you today. Um, man, there's so much going on in the world. Uh, and I think there's so much going on in the world because we're looking at three different stages of life. Um, we're really looking at the past, we're looking at the present, and we're looking at the future. And that's something that we really look at um, bringing in and embracing today. Um, there's just so much going on, and um, you can't you can't look forward, and you can't live in this present without looking at the past, and vice versa. So um, I have three guests on with me today um, that I think we're going to have a very riveting conversation i'm looking at all three of those um elements because they all play a vital role into what we're doing and how we're living now uh, particularly looking at the united states but also as a global um entity as well and so this all developed from a good friend um if you've listened to the podcast before uh ronnie um shared a, a podcast one of the podcasts with some friends and uh they had some thoughts and opinions and so ronnie was like Doug, we should have them on. Like it should, like they got stuff to talk about and different perspectives. And I'm always interested in different perspectives and learning different things because we all, the beauty of life is we all don't have the same perspectives. Um, but it's the, the ultimate beauty is when we can collect our perspectives, bring them together, and work together. And that's that's the key element. So um, you all know me, Doug, the the host and creator of the Dig and Doug podcast. And I'm gonna let all the other gentlemen. Um, introduce himself so we'll start with uh ronnie uh hey everyone it's uh ronnie uh as doug had mentioned before yeah i've been on a few podcasts with doug myself and um you know i just have had a lot of interesting people in my past in my life and i've had a lot of these conversations before uh about you know what's going on presently and you know you know a lot of the times it's been you know anything from i would say like mid to early 2000s all the way up until now uh and someone that i know for a very long time i have my buddy varun here and then of course there's dell who has been friends of both of ours you know has been friends with varun and like we've just all had conversations before and uh they've gone very very deep and these conversations range from history to uh, the history of what's going on, uh, what kind of things and um, structures have been in place to allow these things to kind of manifest themselves in these present times, and just how it kind of affects the future of what's to come. And, um, you know, that's just kind of my perspective on a lot of the deep conversations that we've had, and it all seems to very much tie in together. Uh, because, again, you can't, you can't be a a community such as the United States and not have lives affect other lives. I mean, it's, it's our country. It's, uh, we are the Don't one. Don't give it all the way down, Ronnie. Don't give it all the way down. Like, okay. Oh, hold on. Hold on. If I'm just giving that right there and you feel that's deep, oh, hold on. This is going to be a roller coaster. And yes, you can scream all you want to if you are socially sheltered in place. 
Uh, look, some some so, like we got We got to get them in the shallow shallow end first, and then we gradually get them to the to the twelve feet and everything. So we we go we go roll from there. So uh, Varun, uh, welcome. Man, and, uh, that was about only three feet. I hope everyone can handle three <laughs> feet. Hey, look, you, you got to be able to. You got to meet people where they are. You got to be able to meet people where they are, and then challenge them to go deeper. That's the oh, key. Oh dang. So uh, you, Maroon, go ahead. Yeah, you, I hope you're not getting cold feet. So, then is what I'm saying. <laughs> no, no, not, no, not at all. Not at all. So uh, yeah, my name is Rune. I uh, have, you know, I, I was trained as a political scientist. Uh, I have done a lot of inter international analysis. I worked uh, for the government of India for a while. Uh, I'm not saying exactly where, but uh, I did work for them for a bit. Uh, currently, I'm living in Madison, Ronnie's old hometown, uh, and uh, working in the trades, you know, uh, one of the offshoots of construction. Uh, but I still keep an eye on the world. And I, I met Dell when I was getting my degree over in San Francisco. Uh, and I, I pretty much, you know, I kept in touch with him and I keep in touch with Ronnie. Uh, pretty much all of our conversations, you know, it starts out light and then we just go straight for the deep end. Uh, usually discussing history, uh, current events, how history influences current events, uh, how and why people react the way they do, and where all of this is going, I guess. Um, and I felt like some of those conversations were worth sharing with the public, uh, worth sharing with a wider audience, uh, just because a lot of people seem like they're, they're out there wondering what in the heck is going on all, all over the place. So... That's that's why I'm here. All right. Well, welcome. Glad to have you on the, uh, the Dig on Doug podcast. And uh, last but not least, Mr. Dale. All right. My name is Dale. Um, Dale Brooks. Basically, I'm crazy. Um, that's what I've been called. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think I'm a little bit nuts. However, um, being raised by an independent single mom who encouraged me to question everything respectfully. And if they don't treat me with respect, to question them without respect. I've always questioned things going on in life. So my perspective is from me as a single mom and their, and their projects, and sure struggling to get everything done. And me working since I was 12. And seeing what happens when people work, putting their time in, struggling, doing the whole thing, having that one chicken on that Christmas with no power in the house. All these things. Then you go on and you work and you make some money. You become basically what my, my friend and I call the management class. I got there. I was making hell of ducats. And then because I didn't have a degree, a degree, I was denied promotion going into a higher position. And I went and got my degrees. I got the master of two bachelors. And with that knowledge and with those degrees, I met Brune and a lot of interesting people. Expanded my worldview and how I perceive things. And because of that perception, I don't have many people I can speak to about what's happening in the world, what's happening with the brothers and sisters, what's happening with the Asian people and the Chinese people and the Latinx people, what's happening with the world and the politics and people going through the communities that are supporting us as we move through these trying times. But talking with Rune has kept my head on straight, made me consider other options, other viewpoints, and it's always been interesting and wonderful because I look forward to that talking to this man. I think I missed, I only think I missed two weekends over the last 12 years, 15 years talking to him on the phone because it just feels like I'm missing something if I don't do that. Hmm. Sharing that with you would be awesome. 
I want you guys to experience the things that we experience when we're speaking. And I think it may or may not help you. I hope it does. But at the very least, it's interesting and creates great talking points for you and your friends in the future to actually evaluate and see what action you can take in this wonderfully twisted world we live in. Yeah, so welcome and glad to have you here as well, Dale. Um, and I mean, in a sense, a nice celebration and having all of us, four of us here, men of color, uh, being able to have these conversations and, and share it with other people. So it's um, truly a blessing. So I uh, just want to get into the first segment, which is uh, very broad, but I know we like to work our way down. And uh, what the hell of a time we are in. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I was putting this outline together Absolutely. and I was just like, Okay, like I, I I like to work from you know the 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 macro and then we get down to the micro uh, yeah. to the best of our abilities. So um, who want to tackle what the hell of a time we're in right now? Go ahead, V. All right, what the hell of a time we're in? Um, you know, it's it's been it's been a trip. It's um, I've been so ten years ago. I was I just graduated from from university. I headed over to India to get get a job over there. Uh, that's where I was working for the government. And I was I was talking to Dell and a couple of other people a lot. And one of the things that I pointed out that the U.S. was and this was you know Obama's second like we we're we we're heading into Obama's uh, second second term really uh, first uh, end of his first into his second term. I was like you know what no matter what happens at this point the U.S. is headed for some serious times in about a decade's time. Uh, and lo and behold, that's where we are, we're at. And uh, one of the things that Ronnie remembers and Dell remembers when I when I head back to the states is that I was constantly trying to get people organized, trying to get people to recognize, hey, uh, you know, things might be a little shaky now, but things are going to go seriously off the deep end. That that 2008 crisis was just a, a, a signal that things are things are starting to get worse. Things are starting to get worse. 2016 rolled around, uh, and uh, the Orange Julius came to power. Uh, uh, Hail Caesar, Caesar, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> he, he came to power and, you know, things just got progressively worse. And honestly, I wasn't, I was expecting a major crisis. Uh, I predicted a, a, essentially the beginnings of an insurgency in the U.S. I don't know, I didn't know if it was going to be left wing or right wing. Uh, I knew it was going to happen within 10 years and we're staring down the barrel of one uh, as we speak. Uh, again, it's it's one of those it's 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 one of those things that these things were building, and then you know you you read the history books, you read accounts of people's diaries and accounts of like that space between the good times and the bad times, and one constant that you will find in in all of the history books is like everything was fine one day, and then just everything goes south all of a sudden, and then things kind of plateau out and they go up and down, up and down, up and down, which is what's been happening. Like no one was expecting the COVID thing to hit. Like no one was expecting, like everyone was expecting, you know, it'd be like a terrorist incident or, or a war or some, something, something, not, not this, like maybe a couple of too, too many natural disasters piled on top of each other. But I guess this is what's, what, what it's at. Um, where we're at now, we're at this point where everything that we knew as normal is gone and it is never coming back. 
-hmm. It is, and people can try to convince themselves that, oh, no, no, we just need to do these right things. The Republican Party is trying to do it right now. It's like, oh, if we just open up the economy, get people back into the schools, you know, everything will be back to normal. That's not happening. We're, we're, we're past, we're past the bell curve on this one. Like this, this, whatever the new normal is, it's not going to be anything like the old normal. Uh, the economy is, is clearly shot. There are 20 to 40 million people out of work. Uh, they keep saying recession, recession. I don't know what they're talking about. We're in a depression. 40% and it's a growing number. 40% of small businesses are gone. Mm -hmm. They're just, they're bankrupt. They're not coming back. Yeah. Uh, yep, that's it. Yep, it's 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 done. The, the the bailout packages that we had were essentially shoveling money into the arms of the rich, and they're not spending it on us. They're spending it on bunkers in New, Ze New Zealand and, and armed private guards. Uh, we we knew that was going to happen. We've been watching it happen for the past decade. Um, so where we're at is cascading levels of failure on every single level of government. I was hopeful. I thought the U.S. federal st federal structure would step in. That you know, if the federal government wouldn't work, we had the state government. Below that, we had the the, the municipal and county governments uh, would would step in and, and do something. And it's just nothing. We've had nothing. So uh, we got nothing. Yep, that's where we're at. <laughs> okay, it's a it's a wrap. Uh... Who, who want to go ahead and uh, tackle that next? What what a hell of a time we're in. That'd be you, Dell. All right. Look, <clears throat> I was raised in the hood. As far as I know, shit happens. But I ain't seen no shit like this. <laughs> it's weird. Um, the last time we had an epidemic this large was the Spanish flu in 1918. Um, we, have, we don't have anything to take from that. Unfortunately, except on uh, official and unofficial records, but they're not widely available to the public. And we don't know how to handle what we're handling now. This is weird. I didn't actually believe in this virus strongly until we shut down in California on the 16th. Or, and I didn't believe in this virus. I thought it wasn't that serious until the 18th when I saw a man who had asthma. Pretty damn good health. 34 years old. COVID killed his ass. And I thought, wait, hold on. <laughs> he died because he had asthma? This virus can aggravate other symptoms within your body? What the fuck? That's when I started taking it seriously because I got asthma up the ass. It killed me once. So as far as I'm concerned, it's like, wait, hold on. What the heck is going on? Now, the federal government literally is supposed to help us. The president is supposed to be the beacon of light. Um, that's just the way it is. That's how we've always thought of it. As Americans, we've been in this country for a while. That's how you've always think of it. People are supposed to come together and self-sacrifice. Kennedy's words in the 60s were country before before you. We're supposed to be there for each other. What this is outlined in this hell of a time that we're in is that we're not there for each other. Some of us are, but some of us are not. And we thought it would be a, a, kind of a mini majority, 40 50%. Are there? It's about a good number of people in this country that are just not fucking getting it. They don't give a fuck. They don't care if we die. They don't care if we kill someone else because it's a political situation. The leader has not led. He has divided. So right now, the communities, the governors should be leading us. Some have done a pretty good job. 
some have bowed to pressures from companies and corporations. California is one of them. Newsom did it. He had a three-week orientation. He went to two weeks, and that, that pretty much up the crew up the virus stats here in this in this country. Right? Other governors have tried their best to deal with it because they're doing multiple things. I don't know what they're dealing with. I'm sympathetic to the pressures they're under. At the same time, this virus is kicking our butt, and we as Americans are not rising to the front. We also have the riots, as they call them, more the protests, really, to be honest with you. Some people were rioting, and they were doing a damn good job of looting. But most of them were peaceful. When you have Idaho, Idaho, conservative Idaho, on the side of people who are protesting because they think they see things that should not be happening, that means change needs to happen in this country. And you would think that message would reach the readership of this country. The country's response was a weak bill in the Senate, and they don't give a crap about the people because it wasn't just black people at this point. It's Latinx, Chinese, it's Euro-Americans. I call white people Euro-Americans because white is pure. It's Euro-Americans. Euro-Americans who have come from other parts and have been here and they are getting beat as well. The old and man the of- uh, And the natives of this land. I mean, that's been historic. Thank you. And I am one eighth Lakota. I know this shit. I, we were, that's another thing. I'm not getting to that. I mean, we'll get that later in the podcast. But the thing is, is this discrimination against people, this aggressive retaliation against people for no god dang reason. And we have the cops and we have the, uh, what, Homeland Security, the CB Customs um, Border Patrol are up there now. Dragging people in the vans, doing black bag crap that is reminiscent of the Nazi Germany of old, which is just stupid because it shouldn't be like that. It worries you that America is failing. It worries you that we can't recover, not as a country. And it worries you that the document that this country is founded upon, the Constitution of the United States, is not holding up. So I don't know what time we're in, but it's a hell of a time. And it's going to be interesting and hopefully wonderful. I mean, optimistic, pragmatic. I'm a simply pragmatic optimist that we come out of this okay. But the pragmatic part of me says, we're going to fuck this up. <laughs> and that's what we in. See, and, and that's interesting um, in the sense. Um, yeah, that, that'll take us somewhere else. So, Ronnie, go, go ahead. <laughs> oh man so i had a bit of a of an epiphany this past weekend and uh, i spoke to varun about it a little bit also but i'm going to talk a little bit about current events starting in december of last year um it was pretty interesting to me some of the things that kind of got missed by the american public uh, throughout all the news cycles, um, throughout all the different various news outlets that are out there. But uh, you've heard me say it before, and you'll probably continue to hear me to say it, because I'm going to say it even right now, there's just far too much confusion in the streets. And let me let me go ahead and explain to you what the streets is, because... Whenever I say the streets, a lot of people might be thinking I'm talking about some hood, some ghetto, da-da-da-da-da. You know, I've seen this before personally, but I haven't seen this before. And I'm going to explain that as well. So, there's too much confusion in the streets. I personally came from L.A., uh, born 1984. Uh, we lived there until 1993. 
And in that time, Rodney King had happened. <clears throat> and during that time, uh, I remember how different and stark the entire world had changed in just one day. We went from, you know, society as normal, I'm going to say quote unquote normal as it was because crack cocaine was rampant at that time. Uh, we went from that to we have videotaped evidence of police brutality on someone who should probably just be arrested and put into a back of a squad car. Uh, and that shook that community. It brought about uh, feelings of the past. Uh, this is California, Southern California, and you know the past also equals Watts. It also equals uh, part of the, uh, what was it? It was like the acid baths or the baths of um, Latino Americans at that time, or Latinx, uh, who would normally come from Mexico and work in the United States. Like, uh, also, like, there's all sorts of events that have happened, you know, all throughout California's history in and of itself. But for me, that was my first time seeing it. And at the time, I was six years old. I went from seeing my normal city go from everyday crazy-ass life to, holy shit, there's a lot of damn buildings on fire. And I ended up seeing uh, the response more, not through what was just going on, going on out in the streets, but in the face of my family. Uh, this was the first time I had also seen like uh, a more panicked reaction from like my great uncle and my great aunt. Uh, who were just like, hey, you know, you and your mom got here, so you guys got to stay the night for a couple nights. Like, you guys aren't going to go home. And, like, basically we had to lock down. And, like, uh, you know, that kind of threw me for a loop because obviously things were not normal at that point from the everyday life that was already kind of crazy. So when I say today... We are experiencing a much more vast amount of confusion than that, and that was just one neighborhood. Believe me when I say that things are going to be different from whatever you thought it was before. Your, all of your communities have changed. They've changed. You can't, you can't at all hope to, to think that you even have the willpower to get it back to where it was, because you don't. Now, now when you when you say change, and I and I I feel like I know what you mean, but and I think uh, V is okay if I call you V. Like we we cool. We okay. We're there. Okay, <laughs> <let me make sure. laughs> um, what was talking about? There, there's no going back to normal, um, and I think and those are simultaneously looking at the same thing. Um, but when you talk about it's it's change, go a little bit deeper into into what that change and as and as we transition into also i think this is what you're touching on as well kind of our, our next two topics um america your, your history is showing and um there is a failure in the system 
Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll touch on uh, real quick on what I mean by change. So whatever your concept of normal was in all of your neighborhoods, the comforts you enjoyed, uh, the things you used to do, all of it is going to be different from now on. As uncomfortable as that sounds for everybody, and you see that people are uncomfortable when it just comes to mask. The things that you used to do are definitely not going to be the same, and you've already seen it. Everyone's already experiencing it. You can't go any place without a mask now. There's still a pandemic going on. Uh, you want to go back to school, but what does that mean when there's a pandemic going on? That means you're going to be most definitely passing around the virus. There's no, there's no, oh, let's just hope for the best. You're going to be passing around the virus. And a lot of people think that they can just go back to normal, but they don't realize what it means now trying to attempt that going back to normal. In schools, for example, that means if your teacher gets sick, they have to get their the school district's going to have to provide a substitute. If that substitute gets sick, you see later on down the line, if it's going to be possibly affecting even older folks or even younger folks, let's just say just within teachers, there's going to be a lot of teachers who are going to catch it and possibly not be able to come into work. Let's say if you wanted to do the entire thing normal, normal schools, which seems to be the narrative getting pushed around. That's just an example of teachers. In the example of students, there's plenty of kids that have issues already as children, autoimmune issues, like, and they're going to catch the virus from other children. You can't go out to recess and tell them to socially distance to, uh, from one another. Uh, what about lunch? All right. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I know... This is going to be, I mean, this is going to be a long conversation, but you, as you already see, I've outlined just one example when it comes to schools on what is the difference between normal back then and what it used to be and what normal is now. Things have changed. I think V, you were going to say something? Yeah. Um, to, for me, there's three big points where I look at it and like things are different now. Um, one of those things is that, and again, this is one of those things that you, you hear about, you read about in history books a lot. I'm uh, related to uh, Jewish folk through, through, through marriage, uh, on, you know, on, on, on in my family. So uh, there, there's always this overhanging fear, right? It, it, it's, it comes with that community uh, just because of the history that they've, they, they've experienced, uh, the history that they've lived. Um, and there's always this, uh, like, which of my neighbors is, is going to be there for me, mm -hmm. you know, when, when, when things start to go wrong? Which are the ones who are going to start making justifications for the things going wrong? Which are the ones who are going to turn on me? Um, and I'm looking at it now and I'm seeing, you know, we always had these Gadsden flag guys that don't tread on me, you know, the government ought to stay out of my business. 
And you literally have at this point, the federal government overreaching its authority, sending people out to black bag, you know, uh, 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 rioters and then uh, the rioters and the protesters uh, and, and dead silence from them. Yeah. That's, we, we kind of knew, we kind of knew that when they said don't tread on me, it was only them, that our communities were not included in that, in those categories. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always knew that there would be people who would justify, you know, the, the overreaches of, of government. And I was willing to tolerate tr- a lot of Trump's nonsense because there were, uh, as I've said a, uh, plenty of times, there's, there's a lot of things that I felt that he is doing that are unfortunately necessary. I would prefer someone else was doing them in a more sane and, and sound way, but it seems like the history has dumped this 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 guy in our laps. Um, and I, I I knew one of the one of the one of the dangers, the psychological dangers of me justifying some of his actions was that there was if I didn't set clear red lines, that I would start justifying his other actions too, his other his, his overreaches that I knew were coming. Yeah, and. So when those red lines hit, you know, it was, it was essentially, it was, it was, it was cut off for me. Uh, But I know a lot of other people don't think like that. And so I see a lot of people out there, you know, quietly justifying, you know, making excuses for, so in this sense, now I'm, I'm I'm looking around my, my own city and my own community. I'm like, okay, uh, which of you are going to be and there's radicals on the left too. I want to be very clear about that, who I don't, don't support. Who I feel very uncomfortable about, and that there's a lot of excuse making for that that faction too. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at them, uh, uh, and I'm I'm like, okay, you're justifying a lot of stuff that you really ought not to be justifying. Yeah. It, is there a center? Are we going to fortify and hold that center? And who's going to be in that center? Like, and why are you justifying this guy burning down one of the walls that's that's for, that's helping fortify the center here? So that's that's a huge huge psychological change. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, you saw it right before, um, like George uh, George Floyd and everything happened, and I meet Aubrey and Breonna Taylor. When you had people actually protesting, going to their their state capitals with guns, about being inside, about not being able to go to their beach, about not being able to go to their salon, about being not able to like just go out and hang out, and they're with guns, and. Yep. Nothing got escalated. Nothing. Nobody got pepper sprayed. There was no, we heard about no arrest. There was no, oh, look at these people. Let's backtrack them and say the, the, the bad things they've done. But then you flip it when some people, when people of color are just people in this nation, period, come together over injustices. And there's there's protests. And I just say protests. This is just me. I don't, I don't say violent protests. I don't say peaceful protests. Protests are protests. This country is built on protests. Um, it, it, it protested against England to, to break free. Like, so protests are here. But there was a very different reaction always when people of color are fighting for their own rights and their own freedom to be seen as equal. And you, you know, there's, 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 another, there's another aspect of that, the whole taking guns out to the, to the, to the protesting of the, of the, the stay, in, stay, stay in place, mm-hmm. the stay in home orders. It's... There's very clearly a population in this country now that will escalate every issue, regardless of how mundane it is, to an issue of armed insurrection, yeah. like to borderline our It's like, so what should we expect next? That if we're discussing something in, our, in a school board meeting, 
whether we're we're going to finance a soccer a soccer team or not these guys are going to show up with their guns and, mm -hmm. and and start start saying you know don't tread on me like what are we what are we supposed to ex expect from this yeah like i get okay second amendment rights but what about your responsibility to to resolve all of the issues realistic 99.9% of the issues which are just the boring mundane day-to-day -day stuff that we have to do to make a nation function mm -hmm. are we supposed to be expecting this to, 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 to escalate for all of the issues now yeah yeah well i did uh, i see you i see you nodding and everything uh what, what is your take uh-oh the big sigh we are not who we thought we were <laughs> That's the... We're nowhere near who we thought we were. And anybody who says that we are is obviously not familiar with the history of this country. I'm sorry, not sorry, but that's just the way that is. The escalation thing over mundane issues is actually, I would have scoffed at it a year ago. I can't scoff at it now. He's yeah. right. I can't scoff at it now. I can't because he's right. Hair salons, haircuts. Going to the movie theaters, you brought guns to a state capital that you want to do these things freely during a pandemic because you didn't believe the pandemic was real. That is not all right. My history is this: my mom loves this country. She was a Panther supporter. My dad was Nation of Islam. They still love this country. He fought country. He fought in the Vietnam War back in the day. Day, so. They, though there are issues with this country, but it seems as if we're moving toward maybe alleviating some of those issues in time. Now, mom's passed, dad's in the hospital, and I'm looking at this country through their eyes and my own, and I'm saying we're nowhere near where they want us to be. Yeah. We are nowhere near. And the fact that people armed with AR-15s, this is not hunting. This is a hunting rifle at best. Mm -hmm. This is not a home defense rifle. Walk into a state capitol and hover over the heads of state representatives and nothing happens to them. You have Black Lives Matter people go out and protest and they're beaten. I'm not talking about the rioters. I'm not talking about the protesters. What the, the people, the thing this country is founded on. These protesters go out and say, no more thing here. And then you have people like saying, fuck you, kiss my butt, you're wrong, all lives matter. I'm going to say this. You are right, all lives matter. But Black Lives Matter is not what that means. Black Lives Matter means Black lives have not mattered. Native American lives have not mattered. Asian American lives at one point didn't matter in this country. It was an exclusionary rule for people who can, immigrants who come to this country. Latin lives definitely seem to not matter because it is the best administration we currently have. So when people say all lives matter, I'm like, all lives matter is great, but that's not in truth what's occurring. And it's basically, I understand that all lives do matter. If you are a Christian or you believe in people being alive, that's great. But guess what? While we may think all lives matter, that is not the case. Black people's lives have been fucking used. Black people use this practice as lynched. They've been lynched. They've been used, They've been disrespected. Their daughters have been raped. Their underage daughters have been raped. If their lives did matter, that wouldn't happen. But it did matter. 
to the people who are the mothers and fathers of these children. They matter to the people who did it. Yeah. I, I, I say all lives matter for people who want to live in a fairy tale land. Exactly. That is not the case. Then being one eighth Lakota, I know sure as hell Native American lives didn't matter to the people of this country. They slaughtered us. We are 1% of this country's population now. 1%. They took away everything. Thank God the Oklahoma uh, decision was made by the Supreme Court. At least they got some lands back. But yeah. their lives didn't matter either. At one point, and I'm going to say this real because we don't talk about this, the Irish didn't matter. They were called the white niggers because the Euro-Americans who were here didn't want them here. They included them when the other people came from Eastern Europe because we didn't have a, a, have a, a posse to take care of our country and because you're white, and that's good. But you know what? Not all lives matter to this country. People, the people who say it, they can say it all they want. But people in this country over history have not followed that doctrine. Exactly. If they had, we wouldn't have any lynchings in our past. If they had, how many lynchings now? If they had, we had peace officers shooting a Euro-American from a car in California with his hands up. Yep. There was it that, all lives mattered. Yeah. There was that, that, that same incident here, here in Madison not too many years ago where uh, a, a drunk college kid wound up on the wrong, wrong lawn a uh, skinny ass drunk college kid in his early twenties. And drunk college kids are all over the place in this in this damn scene. <laughs> Cops rolled up. He ended up dead. He nobody spoke up for him. And the people Thank who speak all, all matter. It's they're not they don't actually believe that. Yeah. I'm sorry, at this juncture, it's the black community that is marching for those lives. Yeah. They're marching for Aubrey Avery. This man was gunned them. down while jogging. And I mean, and and the, and the thing is, when we talk about the history of this country, this history, this country has systematically, through marketing, even before before TV yes. and everything was here, it was media showing black people as non-human. It was you were you were a monkey, you were an ape. Yes. Was, like there was no, there was detaching of you being a human. So then we can denigrate you, and that those seeds are still here and growing and flourishing in this day and time still. And you know, what's, what's really tra tragic about this is that the the white working class, the poor, the poor whites, right? Yeah. The, the super rural poor whites. Thank you. The same way, they they don't realize it, but the same language that is used to you know talk about black people, thugs. Uh, criminals, uh, drug drug addicts. The same terminology is used by the people in power to talk about those poor, the poor whites too. Like I, ugh, that is the thing. I mean, I'm sorry, not sorry, but the, the scariest thing in this country, I think, for people in power, with money or political power, is if the were poor people and the poor people and the working class and lower middle class actually realize that they're united. Yeah. Oh my God, <laughs> they are terrified that will happen. Because basically if we're fighting each other and judging each other, we're not united. But good Lord, if we actually unite in this country, that's what America is about, to proclaim that we are equals. So, but the history does not. Let me, let me ask you something real quick, Dale, because you touched on something and I always, I'm always in, okay. in, in transit in this, in this question. Yeah. People say that, people are like, oh, like America is about, coming together and bringing people together, but is it really when we know what it's founded on? 
like is it really and i was really recently reading an article off of the atlantic and it was mm -hmm. talking about the uh you have to have power before you can have freedom and it's a very good article um and it was talking about how um jesus one one of them white dudes who wrote the declaration of Independence, they, they all run together to me um and it talked about how even his wife was sending a letter and asking like hey i think it was john john one of them i don't care um, it was one of them, and his, <laughs> his wife was sending him the letter saying, hey, like, do you know about, like, you know, my struggles as, as a woman and then our struggle, struggles as, a, as, as women? And basically, he was like, this is about us white men here, basically. And it's like, that's when they were writing that. That's who it's about being equal and coming together. And so I say, when we know what the history of this country has been, when has it really came? Are we talking about the the actual people like Dell just touched on the lower class, middle class folks, and that's our hope for America? Or are we talking about the actual Constitution and what the history states? Because if I go with what the history states, they were only looking at one subset of folks as we blend together. Hold on, y'all. Okay, I can speak to both things. First of all, the first thing is, they were looking at one set of people. They killed all Native Americans. They're looking at, they called us three-fifths of a person. So were we equal? No, we were not. This country was, it was equal for rich Euro-Americans. That is straight up it. It is right. not even the thing, and that is up. But, and I will say this, when we advance in this country, we made changes. We had to, because we had to put the Bill of Rights out there. We had to amend the Bill of Rights. We had to amend the Constitution. We had to do these things because people began to believe that it was wrong and the people in that time who wrote the Constitution didn't include these things. So we are very lucky to be in a country where it's not easy to amend the Constitution. It, is, it can be done if it needs to be done by the people. However, while I hope that the lower class can do our lower classes, the lower middle class, the poor working, the working class, the poor and the poor can come together. That will never happen because soft gas are in place to make sure it does not occur. The separate system is integrated within our system. It is there. And in order for that to happen, a good chunk, a majority of the system have to actually believe in the fact that there is something in common with the other people. Mm -hmm. So that would be a revolution in and of itself that Faroon tells me is crazy, and I agree with him. It is not. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with him. However, we can move to change, and this is something that we don't talk about a lot. I'm not saying this is a chestnut. I'm not on top of time. never will be. That's not who I am. But here's the deal. We were three-fifths of a person. We just elected a black man for two terms to be president of the United States. Tell me what other country we can do that in. I, I I do have actually a response to that. The second president of Mexico was indeed a black African president. Well, he, was he a slave? He was. He was a slave. So this is what I'm saying. That's two countries. Can we name any others? Exactly. There are not that many countries where that can happen in. I'm not saying America is great. I will never say that. I'm not saying America doesn't have problems. I will never fucking say that. Jesus Christ, no. <laughs> no, <laughs> but <laughs> no, no fucking way. But I will say that the people can make change happen over time. Mm -hmm. In about twenty to thirty years, this country will be 
mostly brown. Majority will be brown. That's it. You can't change that. Yes, the Latinos are 33% of the population, and guess what they're doing? They're having babies. Having babies are the races. In California, I've seen Latina and Asian couples being together, <laughs> mixed. <laughs> wow, that's man. what's happening. That's a common thing. Well, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, so I'm saying things are changing. They're going to keep changing because nature, <laughs> humans, <laughs> crave things that are not prescient to the public but are prescient to our individual selves. Yeah. These prescient changes will actually afford change in a general overall outlook because if this country is actually, how people are predicting, over 50% non-white in 30 to 40 years, that's going to change everything. Because yeah. two, generation after that, that means you have non-white politicians. You know, it's, it's yep. definitely a going to be a switch and a trend. And um, I know one of the things we have been talking about, and one of the things that you all have been bringing up, is a a a loss of trust. And, oh. I, and I think V really really touched on it when he said it's benchmarkers for for Trump and and seeing the government, and then it's like, okay, you overstepped your bounds, and it's like now you have to come into this new reality. So. Um, Ronnie, you've been in the corner over there a little quiet, so um, <laughs> lost of trust and just uh, where does that take you when you think about where we're in right now? Oh, man, so let me go ahead and say as an, an individual American in this country, like my heart is broken when it comes to just what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing from other American people who have a logical thought in mind of what the ideal of america is and we all seem to knowingly agree uh in in this belief that we can't have a government that's too big however i think we might have already boiled past a point where we've reached too big and now that force is doing some very gnarly things yeah um so <laughs> this is where we are when i get back again to saying there's too much confusion in the streets there <laughs> seems to be a certain subset subset of americans that are okay with this but there seems to be another subset of americans who are like hey wait a minute if you're really about what you say you're about then you're kind of letting some hypocritical things happen yeah uh and that movement has not only been with Black Lives Matter, but it's been, you know, even the original civil rights movement. And let's let's not forget that, like, even back then in the original civil rights movement, we've had allies that didn't quite look like us. Mm -hmm. And even Race. some of those allies <laughs> have died for this exact same fight. So you you want to talk about breach of of trust? Uh, I, I've, I've been having some some people message me saying that they are not going to wear a mask. And wow. I'm like, okay, why are you not going to wear a mask? Well, because I don't trust the government. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so explain to me the reasons why you don't trust the government. They give me their reasons. And I'm like, look, if that's your reason for not trusting the government, let me give you a better one. And this is where my heart is heavy because I believe in these people and these people are our veterans. On December 10th, 2019, in all freaking major news reports, it was reported that uh, the information of why we were in Afghanistan was all misleading, quite misleading, as a matter of fact. There was not a plan to get them out of this. Mm -hmm. There was no even effort to try to really 
take steps to get them out of it and we lost quite a bit of lives and so you know that got pretty much buried and tossed away by a lot of the things that were going on in december and what was going on was the impeachment news it got pretty much cast aside and so i'm like okay well during this pandemic we had another news story uh the reports of during that particular war that there was bounties on some of the soldiers and there was actual legitimate payouts to some of the soldiers that were killed and even that news has been pretty much just like brushed to the side it seems mm-hmm. like it, it was maybe heard about for maybe a week week and a half and then it's just through all the stuff that's been going on with the protest people are still worried and get me get get me when I say this. People are still worried about statues, broken windows, and the fact that people say Black Lives Matter because they think it does not include white people. Bullshit. And the reason why that some people don't think that is because a lot of pro-white movements have never been about people of color. So then you go ahead and think about that. You go ahead and think, oh, my pro-white movement's not about people of color. Well, their pro-black movement must not include me. <laughs> and it's just like you, you see the protesters and some of the protesters are, are white. Thank you. People. They're black people. They're Native American people. They're Latinx people. They're, they're Asian. They're everybody. It's everybody. They're everybody. everybody. They're your fellow Americans. So get me when I say this. I went ahead and talked to you about a tragedy that I feel in my heart about veterans. And yet people are still concerned about statues and broken windows. Yep. And people want to say they don't trust the government, but they don't want to wear masks. <laughs> so, no, there's so much confusion out there on the streets that they, people don't really believe all lives matter. And yep. every single time, and this pisses me off so much, every single time someone like Drew Brees brings up his veteran family, I'm just like, you really don't know the struggles of a veteran because you obviously missed a really big story. (laughs) (laughs) I I think V is chopping at the bits. And my butt knows this, and I'm just a man in the streets. (laughs) Excuse me if I don't see where everyone should just trust the government. But, like, come on, we need to start building some trust because there's some gnarly things that our government's doing to us. Yeah, and, and some of those veterans fought in that Afghan war. And, that's, and whoo, 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 if they're that. not ready for this kind of rude awakening that they just, I hope they hear this. I do. I hope those veterans that are kidnapping people hear this. And I hope some of them fought in the Afghan war. Because, man, they should be really upset at probably the people calling the shots. Just saying. Go ahead, Varun. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no worries, man. Uh, it's... Loss of trust, man. When trust breaks, it's a horrifyingly difficult thing to rebuild. Yeah. Uh, yeah, people don't trust trust the government. I mean, really, are we that surprised? But what's weird to me is, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, no, you shouldn't wear a mask. It's just common sense. It's common sense. What, is, <laughs> what does that mean? Exactly? <laughs> it's like common sense. It's literally what your senses are telling you in common. What are your senses telling you that in a country, in a world where economics matters more than people, 
every country in the world went into lockdown, said, you know what? I didn't even know. I didn't even know that we could put the economy on pause, that we could stop the machine. That's just, I can picture the logistics of this in my mind and it's just, it, it, it scrambles things. So let me, let me give you a clear example of this, right? India is a country one third the size of the United States. It has 1.3 billion people, 30 different languages, 22 officially recognized languages, over thousand dialects, okay? It has crappy sanitation. It has inconsistent power. It has uh, ongoing insurgencies in three different regions, hostile neighbors to the north and to the northwest. And it's and, and, and it doesn't have the kind of public infrastructure that obviously a first world country would. It went under lockdown. Think about the logistical feat of getting 1.3 billion people where literacy is 65% into lockdown, convincing all of those people across all of those language, religious, ethnic boundaries to go into lockdown. You're seeing this happen. You're seeing countries in Africa and South America, in the Brazilian favelas, right, where the gangs rule. The gangs literally went out into the street and started forcing people into lockdown. <laughs> because they realized that Belsorno, the president of, of Brazil, still hasn't gotten through his head what a threat this actually is. The gangs figured it out first. <laughs> it, it's, you, you're literally looking at the world going into this period of lockdown, your senses are telling you what exactly? That you shouldn't trust the American government? Are you telling me you don't trust the billions of people across the rest of the world? Do you not know even a single doctor, an EMT, someone in the medical field who you can talk to, reach out to and say, hey, what actually is going on? Because believe me, I was paranoid about the U.S. government too. When I saw the Indian government doing its thing, I was like, okay, maybe I should be a little bit more cautious. I reached out to my family members. There are doctors in my family. They said, you know what? This is actually pretty serious. You need to take it seriously. I have two friends. One of them is actually working on one of the vaccine teams here, here in Madison right now. Another one is, is, is a hardcore uh, science guy. He's a, a I believe, bio, bio, uh, biology or biotech something. Okay. Um, I talked to them. They said, nope, this is serious. You need to take it. I took it seriously. It's, loss of trust is one thing. A loss of trust in government institutions is one thing because yes, they've been lying to us. Yes, they've been using us. Yes, they've been abusing us and turning, tur like, you know, essentially tossing out into the streets, whereas, and giving all of our hard earned wealth to the wealthiest 1% percent uh, in this country. Yeah, those things have been happening. I completely understand your loss of trust. I completely understand because for the last 20 years, we have been at war on BS pretenses for nonsense and nonsense justifications. Mm -hmm. Again, we have veterans in our community who haven't been helped. So there is a justification for loss of trust. But if you can't trust your own friends, if you can't trust your own community members, where are you exactly? Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. that is a good deal. I don't know how you're gonna follow that up, but uh Well loss of trust? Shit. It's easy. Uh, <laughs> all right. We've always trusted that when something serious comes down, that country comes before party. We have seen that this is not the case here in this country. And when you see 
all these other countries that Maroon was just talking about. South Korea, India, fucking even uh, parts of China. They can lock down, they control this. It's kind of think you kind of think like, wait a minute, hold on. Do you have to trust Americans? Can you trust what the other world in and of itself? And we're getting a snapshot that the people do not trust the world in and of itself. And that kind of sucks because the fact that other places are opening now slowly should tell us that, oh, there are not huge cases. People aren't dying off. We're not actually making this happen. So loss of trust has been elevating because of the fact that <laughs> I'll use the Republican Party as an example. Um, Trump has against masks. Yes, and that's his thing. He's against masks. But you see the senators and you see the Republicans are now wearing masks because so they realize I can't go against him, but I have to find a way to make sure my community and my constituents are safe. This is a last-ditch effort where it's too late. I mean, you let, you know, the barn doors are open. The horse is gone. No one sits to close the barn doors now. That's what, that basically is basically how we look at it from this end. But on our end, they are basically rebelling against what Trump is saying because Trump supporters can take them all out. Mm-hmm. So the loss of trust is that people are putting a demagogue before the senators, these elected representatives are putting a demagogue before their constituents who elected them into office. So why the hell would you trust them? You have the governor in Florida. You have the governor, a, a lieutenant governor in Texas. These gentlemen, these gentlemen are advocating no masks. These gentlemen are advocating let the virus run rapid. And yet, when you do that, you have deaths. So people themselves are realizing now that they have to not listen to them. And that is a lot. That is a loss of trust when you cannot trust the leader of your country, the leaders of your state, the leaders of your community. Yeah, no, it's 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 a it's a dangerous thing. Um when you talk about that loss of trust, because if you take it into like a parental aspect, like you have a lot of people I touched on earlier, a lot of people live in a fairy tale land when they live in this country and they're like, Oh, I can trust the government. And then when that's loss and you, you, you mentally, you gave your responsibility away. Hmm. You're like, okay, like I don't have to worry about that. And then, so then when it comes back to you, and and you see the people who you gave it to do nothing with it and you're like shit what do i do now and and it completely rocks you and throw you for a loop and and then you you don't know you don't know where to go it's like when i'm sure all of you maybe have experiences yourself or you know people who have done this people who get into relationships like back to back to back to back to back to back and they never get time to, and they never get time to develop themselves and then when you when you have that break time where it's more than just a couple of weeks when you're dating somebody and then you're like, shit, who am I? And yep. then I think that's what you all touched on earlier. And it's like we get into community and, and society responsibilities and, and all that stuff. And um, and I think it's very, 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 very prophetic in the sense of you, you see these governors coming out like the, the, the governor of a. Uh, Georgia came out and was like, oh, I, nobody's going to be able to mandate masks and everything. It's just this craziness. And so when, when you lose this this sense of respo- not even responsibility, but connectivity to what you thought you could trust, it, it completely throws you off. And so I know we, we touched on this. Um, 
society and its responsibility to itself. Um, one of the things I, I say, and I was having this conversation with my uncle, um, I don't, not right now, I don't like own a home or whatever, but I could do it now. But um, neighborhoods are not neighborhoods anymore. Like neighborhoods, you don't know your neighbors, you don't know who you're around. Um, we're so, in a sense, divisive. We don't know how to have conversations. Um, and and we don't know how to have conversations where you can be wrong, where you can have a different viewpoint from me and we still be able to talk and then collaborate from there. And that's that's one of the biggest things missing in communications because you're not always going to agree. Hell, people be married for eons and you don't always agree. You're never going to always agree. If you always agree with somebody, you in a dangerous atmosphere. If you always trust the government, you are in a dangerous relationship. Mm. And so when we talk about society and, and everything and our, our responsibilities to ourselves, um, well, like what, how, how does that make you all feel? I mean, you've touched on it a little bit in, in our time. If we talk that anybody can uh, jump in and go ahead and start. It's yeah, it's, it's building up that communal clinic. And I, I'll admit I've lived in this house for three years. I barely know my neighbors. Mm -hmm. I, and it's, it's unfortunate. Uh, a lot of people just kind of are indoors a lot. Uh, Heather and I are out, uh, out a lot just cause, uh, my girlfriend and I are out a lot just cause we, we're in the garden. Uh, we, we have a fireplace in the back, backyard. So we have friends over and so we're outside a lot. So we do see our neighbors. We do wave. We do say hi. We don't really know them. Uh, it's one of the things that I, I really do want to get on fixing. But again, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm not a big fan of people. So it's a difficult <laughs> time for me to cross. Uh, but I know it's a thing that I have to cross. It's just, and it's across the community. Like, I don't know who my community leaders are. I know the name of my city council person, yeah. uh, my, the city elder. I know the name of the mayor. Uh, yeah. I, uh, so because I try to keep in touch with, keep in, you know, track these things. But there's a lot of people that I just don't know. And I, I feel like it's, it's, it's very weird that, and I can, I can see where the loss of trust comes from. I can see how a lot of people wind up with, you know, believing the conspiracy websites as opposed to uh, the, the, the people in their own community. Yeah. Uh, and see the breakdowns in, in our own community right here in our city and how just in how dysfunctional our response to this this thing has been like our mayor didn't even meet with our, with our, with our, um, you know, in the first day, in the first weeks of the, the pandemic, we had, you know, when the, when the unemployment figures were coming in, our mayor, mayor should have been talking to the, to the business and community leaders yeah. and to the landlords, uh, because we all knew the evictions were coming. We yeah. all knew that there was going to be a serious economic crisis, a depression level sec economic crisis. No one communicated. No one reached out over Zoom or Skype or the 10,001, you know, uh, digital systems we have in place now to, to talk to each other, to figure out a game plan, a plan of action. Like, how do we all come together to see ourselves through this? Yeah. Uh, the churches, the, the it's, it's, again, it's, it's the cascading levels of failure that that have taken me most off guard that have have, have, have made my me question my, my faith and my trust i want to trust people i yeah. want to know that we can work together to resolve these crises because there's more of them coming yeah there are more of them coming there's any, anyone who's in doubt of that is not paying attention uh and i feel like this is one of those things like if we don't bridge that if people don't start finding ways to bridge those gaps it, it's 
there's going to be a lot of dead bodies. I'm telling you that right now. Yeah. A lot well, of dead v, v, I am glad you trust me enough to come and be on the podcast and join this community. <laughs> <laughs> You're good, man. <laughs> Uh, Ronnie, what, what what you got in the sense of communities and, and trust and, and just everything of what we've been talking about here? Oh, man. So this is a pretty interesting time, like, you know, I'm saying again, right? So I, I never really thought something like this would kind of fall into my lap. But since it has, I'm kind of excited. But I'm also like, uh, I'm like realizing a little bit more on how more important this is going to become in our future mm-hmm. um, but specifically uh, I've been asked um, to teach um, uh, lessons in IT to okay. my uh, to my landlady actually uh, she's, oh, wow. uh, she uh, is an entrepreneur she works for herself and she's done really well over the entirety of her years and uh, she normally has an assistant, but because of COVID, uh, there's communications and lockdown and uh, uh, things that they can't work on together. So wants me to help teach her to become a little bit more proficient in how to use her computer and everyday technology. Mm-hmm. And you know that that is an important thing right now, as you know, since we're in shelter in place. Uh, getting to know your technology and how well it works is a big thing because there's more online meetings, uh, schools online, work online, all of it is online and a lot of people never necessarily knew how to uh, fix or troubleshoot things with technology themselves, they just use it for work purposes. Um, So like that was kind of interesting and so as far as my neighbors also like I've been getting to know a few of my neighbors uh, uh it's really interesting that i have a neighbor uh that i found out that grows uh i mean not grows but um has their own chicken coop okay and uh there's a lot of neighbors that have different types of trees and bushes and stuff that they grow that produce uh food uh around here which is actually interesting and awesome um so there's like lemon trees there's other fruit trees uh there's and they actually do share some of them with neighbors, which is really great. Um, and yeah, it's actually quite interesting. I never thought I would find myself in this position uh, where I'm going to be teaching someone who, you know, predominantly in their life has not used technology, but yeah. wants to become more proficient in this in this time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Dale, how has community been affecting you in this and your viewpoint or just in your actual day to day life? In the actual day to day life, community's been fucking fantastic, which is weird. Uh, <laughs> all right. And for me, I know I'm in an apartment building. I'm on the fifth floor. I know half of my neighbors. We greet each other by name. We see each other. We say, What's cracking? How you doing? What's going on? Uh, people have borrowed sugar from other neighbors up here on the fifth floor. It hasn't been throughout the entire building, just on the fifth floor, what I'm able to see. So it's been weird to see what i thought it was which was a community coming together and the fifth floor has come together um based on me working i'm working in a company that's open right now where i'm an essential worker it seems i they have basically done their best to protect me and they've done a good job and dealing with the customers every day some regular some not and the community there has been respectful of the mask update they have been taking measures they've been careful 
I feel safer at work than other people feel safer in their homes, which is weird. Hmm. So my community has been very, very encompassing and protectivity with this whole thing. So I haven't felt unprotected at all. I am terrified of the virus because I have so many underlying conditions. It's not even funny. But other than that, fuck fear. (laughs) 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 I'm going to still do what I'm going to do. I'm going to still be about it. I'm going to still talk to the people I need to talk to. I'm still giving the information. So for me, the community trust is awesome here where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. But I understand that may not be the way it is with other people because. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> no, and and that and that community element is is <clears throat> is vital in our day to day lives. And um, I mean, we went from being around people, being that energy, and a lot of people don't really fully understand when you when you when you have something all the time, you don't understand something until it's gone. Yeah. And so the the real development of um, you were always around people and now you may be isolated like myself. I live at home by myself. So it's, it's that's, mm-hmm. that's a whole different thing, especially for an extrovert. Mm-hmm. Um, um, that's, that's a huge thing. And energy is real energy around people is real. Um, if anybody does not believe in that, you must have never went to a sports game. You may, you must have never went to a high school where energy, every different place has an energy. And that's, that's something that you miss and something that's, that's different. And so, I know you're thinking, what happened? The episode just cut off. I know it's crazy, right? Wasn't no technical difficulties. But this episode, my time with these guys, with Ronnie V and Dale, went for a minute. So there's going to be a part two of A World on Fire. So be on the lookout for that. Check it out. And make sure you share this part one with people. And then that part two is coming. It's going to be right around the corner. So hope you're enjoying Keep digging, and until next time, y'all. This has been another episode of Dig Undug. I really hope you got something out of this, and if you did, go ahead and make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a comment below. I want to hear from you. Also, you can reach me on Instagram at digundug or email me at digundug at gmail.com. Share this with your family, friends, co-workers, and your squad. I look forward to your comments, and with that, Keep digging, y'all. Peace out.